Hello, everyone, uh, and welcome to the Outsource Podcast. I am here today with Caleb. Hello, everyone. And with Yash. Hey, everybody. And today, um, we're going to take a turn and talk about something with a little more application than some of the um, episodes that we've put out in the past. Uh, I know that we've kind of talked a lot about theory and... um, history and context but we also know that all of this history and context applies to us in in our everyday life and we've mentioned that um several times in our previous episodes but we kind of want to take a focused look at some uh something in particular for today uh so today we're going to be looking at psychology and mental health um i guess the the question that we're trying to answer for today is uh what is mental health um why is it so popular uh in in news media um and in the the public discourse um and yeah what what application does it actually have in our life versus just advertising um but i want to start off by asking yash uh you have some or maybe you maybe you don't have any uh, you haven't taken any courses with with psychology or neurology or anything like that but what is your perception of mental health like uh as someone who is going to enter into the medical field or or just as someone who who's part of society and you just like hear the word being flung around well um so i finished my first year of medical school and in the first year itself, we've done a bit of neurology and a bit of psychology. So we've had some experience with mental health and issues surrounding it. But if you ask me, um, as an individual, I personally feel like the whole notion, the topic of mental health has been receiving a lot of attention lately uh, with a lot of push. You know, like you have a lot of um, campaigns for uh, you know, mental health awareness uh, all around. Uh, including big corporations and in schools, in universities. Our university is very big on the whole, um, oh, look out for yourself. You know, if, you, if you're if you stressed out or if you feel like you can't cope with the workload, let us know. So personally, if you ask me, I, I just think, um, you know, it, it's definitely a concept that needs to be paid attention to. And it's something that has been receiving a lot of attention lately, which can be both a good thing and a bad thing. What is your impression of the kind of discourse surrounding mental health other than, you know, like people say, people say it's like important or that it matters or, you know, to, to take care of yourself. But um, more specifically, what do you see people's reactions to that and people like what are they doing with that in their everyday lives? Well, I, I, I feel like there are two schools of thought when it comes to mental health. Right. You have. Uh, your new generation, your, uh, which is probably, uh, which includes you and me and people our age who are, you know, more accepting of different kinds of diseases or uh, mental health issues and are looking for ways to combat it. And then you have the older generation of, well, obviously this doesn't uh, refer to the entire uh, older generation, but it's, it's very likely that you have people from um, you know our parents' generation or our, the, you know, our 
are teachers and are professors and stuff and these guys are not as receptive about mental health you know they they might think for example that depression is something that you can sleep away and it's it's not something that requires medication and therapy so uh you know you have in in my opinion two main schools of thought one being a very supportive uh a very um knowledgeable sort of group of people or if not knowledgeable at least they tried their best to find out about uh whatever you know mental health issue it is before they comment about it and then you have this you know this opposing school of thought which is um you know some somewhat uh, dismissive of what's going on and uh they don't really consider it as something that is that needs as much attention as it's getting right now for the older um generations are you is it is it like that they deny the existence of whatever mental health is or they're saying that whatever mental health is referring to to just power through it or something like that or ignore it or something mm. i think it's more of the latter so it's it's not a complete denial of mental health issues it's more of a oh you know it's something you can just get rid of you know it's uh you know don't be sad just be happy it's it's that kind of uh perspective i'm sure you've heard it uh you know in the past but um it's more of a uh a perception i would say rather than yeah a, a perception or an outlook towards uh mental health and mental health diseases and um it tends to be more dismissive in my opinion in the discussion of mental health that you've seen um in your opinion do you think that the discussion is particularly holistic uh in terms of like people people's lives are you know like infinitely complicated right and complex um but do you feel that mental health the discussion or what people try to apply it in their lives um is kind of reductionist and simplistic and not holistic or do you feel that it is actually holistic um and, and trying to target you know, whatever's happening here mm, this is a really good question john and uh personally i feel it depends on the group of people you're having uh the discussion with so you can have you know um a group of people who know everything there is about different mental health conditions and they do their best to research about it before they you know come up with a, a plan or a strategy to tackle it and you may have another group of people who have somewhat of an idea about the mental health condition and what needs to be done but it's a very surface level idea so this i think it depends on the general consensus of the group of people that you're discussing this topic with but personally uh, if you ask me the people who i surround myself with well doesn't really make sense the people i interact with the most on a daily basis tend to have a good idea of what kind of mental health conditions exist and what needs to be done and it, it I, i feel like what you so, sort of the profession you're in or what you're training to become can have a very profound impact on how you perceive mental health so i would expect uh, an individual who's studying medicine or somebody who's studying psychology to have uh, a a sufficient enough grasp of mental health and the issues surrounding it you know and i wouldn't expect them to say anything um 
that would be considered insensitive or uh as you said take uh i wouldn't expect them to take a sort of reductionist approach when dealing with mental health conditions because as you said beings are infinitely complex we're all different people and even you know somebody who's uh, suffering from depression may display completely different symptoms from another person who's suffering from depression so um i think in in conclusion i just think it depends on the group of people you're having uh, the discourse with gotcha caleb in your experience with people who have discussed about mental health or, or just your perception of um you know people that you interact with what has been the kind of discourse around mental health and is it more reductionist or is it more holistic in a sense um i i would um i would say i've heard both um i wouldn't uh, i don't think i would necessarily like characterize the mental health discourse as being one or the other um simply because there's also this aspect of like the majority of people don't want to know that much about anything even if they think it's important and so it's like if people don't really understand much about mental health that i don't know if that really i don't know if that really says anything about really the mental health discourse or that is just like more of a reflection of well isn't that part of the mental health discourse not i'm not talking about like like experts and their actual discourse but it's like among the general consensus of the population like yash said that you know social media and and people have just been talking more about mental health um and so in that kind of like sphere are people trying to understand more or is it more of kind of like passive understanding um, I I guess I would say that people that that generally you could probably say that the the interest in in mental health is increasing. Um, I at least like from my experience and what I observe, it definitely seems like uh, you know for example like more people are interested in studying psychology um, or like going and getting like a, a psychology major in in college. Or like a social worker, um, something like uh, just working towards something like that because they have this sort of investment in this idea of, you know, like let's like improve the mental health of society or, or I want to help people with their mental health, this kind of thing, um, and I think like if you go online, you look at, you know, like social media and stuff, like people uh, are quite frequently, you know saying things like oh take care of your mental health and stuff like that um and so um in the sense of like how often it appears in like our general speech or our general uh like language it does seem like mental health is appearing more um than and then before and is that so and i think like a natural conclusion is that the interest in it is is growing and, and like more people want to have to some extent more than a surface level recognition that if some people are depressed or something like that okay so 
that people are more people are interested or there's more interest and there's a desire to have more than a surface level understanding but in terms of materializing that under like that desire is it i mean well, being materialized is it okay well to be fair i don't i don't even know if it's even if it's even correct to say that people have like a an intentional desire to learn more about it i mean it it could also just be the sort of uh like non like subconscious like oh everyone is talking about it so i should talk about it too or everyone cares about it so i should care about it too type like social phenomena you know where it's not necessarily like oh i need to go and like learn like really learn what the quote-unquote science is behind mental health and to like you know like understand psychology studies or whatever right but rather like oh if everyone is talking about it then i need to be able to have my part in the conversation i need to be able to understand what people are talking about i need to tune into the social trends you know it's like it's like probably not everyone really likes marvel but because everyone watches marvel then everyone has to consume the marvel movies also right to me that seems very parallel and so you i i and so like if we go off that like analogy of like of like hollywood movies right it's not necessarily like that these people are actually interested in cinematography or interested in script writing or interested in um or even interested in like the medium of movies as a whole as like as like like a like a movie file or something right but rather that they simply want to sort of uh like have their yeah fit in and have their place in society and and be able to have talk to their friends about it and say the right things and you know this more of this idea of of social conformity than a true uh intentional intellectual interest in what mental health really is yeah when you say um i really like the example that you have the parallel between hollywood and kind of this this interest in mental health um i think that's super important because when we look to how uh, you know as much as people are interested in mental health um or or it's just being more popular uh where exactly are folks getting their information from um because if it's not necessarily a genuine uh, interest, intellectual interest, then is are they going out and reading books about it? Are they, or is it kind of like you see an article, you know, like you, you pull up Bloomberg or something like that, and you just see an article that says something, and you just like read it? Well, I like I said, it's I think it's like uh, an increasing trend of people to be interested in like psych majors and stuff like that and then obviously if you go and study psych you will do some level of academic reading or textbook learning on the subject right well, i'm, I'm not talking, talking about like psych exactly if, majors if we're talking about just general people right then people do all of their learning on like reddit and social media right it's like even if even if you consume like news articles it's because you saw like you saw like the little like instagram square infographic with a headline and then you went in the caption and read the like like 
150 word abstract that this that this social media company has put there right and um or or you know it's like your favorite influencer did like did like an info drop so that they can be uh culturally or, or socially you know like beneficial or something with Whoa. the times keeping up with the trends yeah yeah right i i, I mean it's like I, i think people certainly don't I guess if, if people read books nowadays, it's like self-help book stuff, right? And then, and then I, I have never read a self-help book in, in my life. But I imagine that those like, like, like those like self-help books or the mental well-being type literature, that that will... I suppose the whole point of those books is to offer some level of, of mental health knowledge or something, right? Is it? I don't know. I just, like I said, okay. I've never, I've never touched one. I mean, the, the, yeah. And it's like when people read books, it's like they're they're not reading like literature. They're not reading, they're not even reading like like science fiction anymore. Right? Is that like they're just reading like how to, how to go to work and not die, you know, for dummies. Hmm. I think this is a good segue to kind of talk about the field of psychology, um, and I want to give a little context as to um, some of the things that we're about to talk about. So, a, a kind of recurring theme in this podcast and in, in our episodes is this increasing trend in the past three, four centuries of. Um, embracing empiricism uh trying to quantify things uh trying to split things into separate parts in order to study them further and in terms of psychology yeah, the the idea of the mind and um you know what it is and the influences and stuff like that 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 kind of feel has been around since forever um But the kind of modern field of psychology really is a product of um, of Descartes' uh, dualism, and Descartes was a well, he was a philosopher, um, and he influenced many other philosophers and economists and political thinkers um, during the Age of Enlightenment and throughout the Industrial Revolution, and one of Descartes' ideas was that. The mind and the body uh, are two completely separate things. That you have a mind or a soul, um, but it's only encapsulated in your body. And he has this whole entire rationale that the the body is um, can can endlessly uh, tempt you and give you false perceptions, but the mind is quote unquote the only thing that you really know that is real. Um, but out of this, you have this split, um, and this is very evident in medicine. And you can see that even up until the uh, mid 20th century, in which um, you know Yash mentioned that some of these older generations are not necessarily accepting or or even cognizant of of mental health, and and that's really a result of this split. That well, if it's depression or if it's whatever. It's purely a a physical, like a bodily. It's a body thing, 
or it's purely a mental thing. So you wouldn't need to, you know, go out and exercise or something like that, or, or go take a walk every day. You just have to suck it up mentally. Um, and so in terms of psychology, the, it really started with this idea that the, the mind in and of itself is one thing and the body in and of itself is another thing, that they're, they're two distinct separate things. Um, but really the connection that we see in modern psychology comes with Sigmund Freud. Um, and I'm not going to get into a lot of, uh, of his work and his influences, but Sigmund Freud was very much influenced by, uh, obviously, the time of his day, which was the almost ending the pinnacle of the Industrial Revolution and the, the, the trend um, to approach things, to advance, to make progress, is to establish, um, is to quantify things and to establish cause-effect loops. Um, and so a lot of Sigmund Freud's research and his influences were in the field of trying to identify and establish cause-effect loops in terms of mental, um, mental processes. Um, and so this is really where psychology begins to formulate as a, uh, as a academic field, as something that is uh, taught in in universities is what exactly are the cause-effect loops um, that just pertain to things that are not immediately dissectable like in a lab so if we put someone in a, a study that's that's quality quote-unquote qualitative and not quantitative so you're not doing a dissection you're not um, analyzing like uh, a body or something like that um, but you're like talking to them, how do you turn whatever you talked about into data and then try to create some kind of correlation um, or causation uh, link between the two? Um, and, and as much as this, the field has kind of developed over the past century and there's been a lot of good research that's come out of it, there's still this underlying assumption um, that no matter you know even though there there's a recognition that things are complex and complicated there's still this underlying assumption that somehow some way we can quantify all of these cause-effect loops and um, and identify them and target them so that we could either improve them or get rid of them uh, or, or make new cause-effect loops so actually, uh, Caleb, in regard to the comment that you made about the self-help books, this is something that's really um, prevalent in that kind of literature, is, is this idea of identifying a cause-effect relationship in your behavior and then like targeting that or changing that or establishing new things. Um, and we're not saying that, like, that cause-effect relationships don't exist. Um, or necessarily that they're wrong or whatever but especially in the kind of media that people consume right the, the books the articles the Instagram stories there's not a lot of opportunity for acknowledging the complexity of uh, of your mind uh, and the influences that it has um, 
And it's much easier to kind of say, well, the reason why you are depressed is because um, is because you you're not social with people. And and how do you become social with people? Well, here's a here's five ways to become more social with people. So so you always have these cause effect relationships um, and feedback loops that are are it's almost like the perception of your brain and your mind is like a computer um and, and yash ha have you heard this kind of analogy that like your your brain is like a computer yeah um so in in one of our neurology courses we we often refer to the brain as a as a really complex computer so definitely a couple of times before but Yash, I, I mean, would you agree with that? I, I mean, we're not we're not saying it as kind of like a cutesy like um, as a cutesy thing like like it's you know an analogy that you say and then everyone forgets. Um, but do you think that it's accurate to describe the brain as just a complex computer? Mm, well, I think. If you describe the brain as a as a complex computer, you're essentially just it's almost demeaning to the brain because it's the brain that gave rise to the computer, right? Not the other way around. So I almost feel like you know there is no way you can sort of distill the essence of what the brain is into something physical that we are familiar with. The brain itself anatomically is very complex, but uh, on a more um, well, on a more metaphysical note, the, the the processes that it undergoes and the sort of emotions it's capable of generating is is beyond just complex. You know, it's it's it, it's taken us ages to understand what exactly goes on within the different centers of the brain and the sort of uh, stimulus that the brain receives and the sort of um, you know all the processes involved uh, with the brain. So. I think you know that analogy. Although it it, it can make it easier for uh, somebody who's you know unfamiliar with uh, the brain, um, you know, to sort of understand what uh, how it behaves. I think it's not the best an analogy out there, and I personally don't think there's a, a good way to sort of represent the brain with something that we're familiar with. Caleb, have you heard this uh, analogy that the brain is just like a complex computer or supercomputer yeah absolutely um it is something that it's something that is said a lot and not just as a like as as a like a simple analogy for learning right it is not just like dumbing down the concept to explain something difficult to people but it's really put forward as as like a holistic analogy of like oh you can you can categorize the brain into all these different parts just like a computer has all of its componentry um, you can characterize the brain through all of these like neural feedback responses which is just like um, communication within within the computer from like 
uh, from like the terminal to to memory, uh, and so all of these analogies are. It's not just to easily explain what how the brain works, but because there is a significant, uh, there's a significant proportion of like not just like the general public who are like oh yeah the brain is a computer and that makes sense but like the scientific community who believe that um in all essence the brain is just like a supercomputer right and, and like this is very is very um sort of easily seen if you if you look at uh academic papers and, and whatsoever especially on things like cognitive science or uh, neuroscience um, and this idea of like all we need to do to understand the brain is to like reverse engineer a computer like and you know as if like you are like hacking a macbook or something um, yeah yeah and i think that your point in regard to um some of the this like more rigorous community as it's seen like the the scientific community and the, the academy uh, academia um is important because uh it's actually a nice segue into talking about present day psychology its field <clears throat> and the kind of incentives that it has um and I, I just want to talk a little bit about some of my uh, interaction with it. And I went to uni. Um, that was a very pri primarily um, STEM focused. Uh, and we have a psychology department that's regarded as decently strong. Um, and I spent a lot of time with psych majors and psych professors and cogsci professors and cogsci majors. Um, but the general... Uh, this is kind of like the overview of the field in and of itself in terms of the research and the incentives. Um, what exactly is the, uh, what is the point of being in academia or doing research as a psych uh, expert or cogsci expert? Um, for most, if not all of these uh, people who, who are at these large research institutions, um, it's to generate research. Um, and it's not only to generate research, it's to generate research that will be uh, either A, have an application in some kind of industry like computer science or uh, engineering or something like that, or B, something that is just widely cited. Um, so it may not have a ton of industry uh, application, but if it is receptive within the field itself, then... Um, there's a lot of opportunity for yourself and for your institution to receive uh, a lot of grant money and like not not only a lot of grant money it's like an insane amount of money that is involved um, that is used as an incentive for producing research um, and in talking with a lot of these professors and these researchers this idea of um, securing research money and grant money is it, it, like when I came into college, I thought that the primary focus or like the primary concern of some of these researchers um, was not necessarily like money or the grants or anything like that, but like of conducting their research uh, rigorously. And it's not like they don't focus on that, but 
you would be surprised how much they um, worry about securing funding, um, not only for their current projects, but their, for their future projects. Um, and so as a result, there's a huge, huge financial incentive, uh, not only from the institution, but from these people personally as their livelihood to pump out research. Um, but in this whole cycle of pumping out research and trying to uh, receive these grants, um, there's this there's this kind of like assumption that well if it if it's published and if it's peer reviewed then it must be like legit, right? Because like you had like a bunch of your peers kind of like look at your thing, right? Maybe some skeptics in your own community look at your thing, they make comments. Um, they, they suggested things and then you take all that stuff, uh, rewrite your article and then boom, you can publish it. And it's something that's like, not only you, it's your opinion, but you got like a bunch of people on all the sides of this field, um, to kind of like have a say in this. But in actuality, this is not the case, um, especially in psychology. And there is something it's, it's. A huge issue in psychology called a replication crisis and the replication crisis is that you have all of these psych studies um, you know, like qualitative or quantitative studies where they like they, they look at a population or they interview people or something like that um, they have a hypothesis and they come to some conclusion and going back to the incentives you want your conclusion to be impactful you don't want your conclusion to just be like random or small uh, because how can you secure funding? You just spent six, seven months, maybe even more of your life uh, not only studying the thing, but also writing the thing. And you've used up so much money. So you, so whatever impact um, that you want, you want it to be large. Um, so you make some kind of overarching claim or, or you come to some overarching conclusion. Uh, but when it comes down to the peer review process, People are not replicating these studies um, and it's not necessarily because these people are like they don't care or they're like bad people but there's no incentive at all to actually replicate these studies to make sure that they're quote-unquote valid or like whatever that they're doing actually checks out if anything it's the opposite there's an insane amount of incentive uh, to kind of just look over things and say, yeah, okay, cool. I looked at your research. I'm a professor. I'm an expert or whatever. Um, and I said it was okay. So if I ask you or you're commissioned to, uh, you know, you're part of a journal and you have the opportunity to peer review mine, we're just trying to, you know, we're just running the rat race here. It's not me against you. We're just trying to pump out as much research as we can. Um, and so within this replication crisis, the problem is that you have a huge amount of psych studies um, that's happening right now that are just not able to be replicated. And it's, it's not only that they are not being replicated, it's that when they are replicated, that they, you know, whatever hypothesis, whatever thing, it actually does not check out. So it's just like, they published something, they did a study, they published something, it comes to some kind of conclusion, and that conclusion is not even true. It's not even tenable. 
and the the real problem with this goes back to this um this advent uh this increased interest in mental health because as a result of all this research being generated you have people who want to uh produce relevant research uh and then on top of that you have news agencies magazines bloggers uh people on twitter who who want to either out of um you know goodwill uh, of wanting to uh inform the public or just out of uh financial uh incentive like you're a magazine and you need to pump out articles um take whatever this research is look at whatever has the the most overarching broad claims or the trendiest claims and then they publish it and that goes in reader's digest that goes in you know new york times and stuff like that uh, it goes onto these places where then you know instagrammers can then take and reduce whatever that article was which was a reduction of the article of the academic article um and then they you know stylize it and put on instagram and then you know a couple million tens of millions of young people see it and then they never read the original article like the the thing that's published or they don't read the academic article so you have th this is really the state of psychology um not only within the you know the high tower of academia but in its touch on people and then of course uh the self-help books who's you know i'm not going to say whether or not they they personally believe whatever or if they have like a genuine intention of um helping people but either way if they are going through a publisher um and they're writing a substantial book they want to be published they want whatever their book to sell um which means that if they if their audience is the general public, then you have to make it at the same level at what the general public is going to consume. And if people hardly consume, you know, large texts nowadays, you're going to have to make it even easier to consume, right? And so what does it mean by, by making things even easier? Well, you're just reducing whatever is originally posited even further and further and further. And so the people that you know the things that people actually ingest and consume in terms of uh psychology um even if it's rooted in some kind of study or science is a reduction of a reduction of a reduction and even then the article itself may not even be true because of replication crisis um but yasha i mean you're you're in medical school have you um is this something that students or are aware of or that folks are aware of or is this something that's just like completely new well to be honest with you um, i feel like i had an idea of this mainly because we discussed it in well either in one of the episodes previously or just during our uh, you know one of our conversations but i feel most of the you know the students in my cohort or uh, the students studying in, in my university they probably don't have an idea of this um, and they just assume that whatever piece of research is being pumped out is there to benefit everyone uh, but I feel like um, 
this whole sort of situation that you've uh, brought up, this whole sort of uh, what, what goes on, um, is definitely something I can see happening, and it, it's definitely something that happens. But I don't have any personal experience dealing with it, and I, neither do I think my peers. Mm. What do you think, Caleb, in terms of... Um... I mean, anything that I talked about or specifically the, you know, what kind of media that people are consuming? Well, I think that this is, um, is very related to just the way that people see ideas in general, right? Because there's this very definite phenomena of like people will look at a, a body of thought that that generally conforms to a certain idea or conforms to a certain label and then see it as a as a as, as like a singular thing right and so it's like this sense of like oh the liberals are correct or the liberals are wrong or the christians are correct or the christians are wrong or the scientific community is correct or the scientific community is wrong or like climate change is correct or it isn't um Descartes is correct or he isn't it's like it's this idea that you can approach a an entire body of thought and consider the entire thing to be singularly legitimate or invalid um uh which is like if you really think about it it's like sort of insane right because you're coming at something which is so broad and so incredibly large in terms of of differences of opinion and 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 uh it's just it's just like almost insane to see um something as being like a uniform such that you could legitimize or or invalidate it in like a single in a single shot in a right? single tweet yeah and it's even 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 in the case where it's like a single writer like right like a like a philosopher like descartes or or marx or political writer like i don't i don't know like jordan peterson or something right it's like if you approach their their the, their opinion or their work from this stance of like oh either they're all right or they're all wrong then you're completely missing out on all of the meaning that there is to be there because you're you're missing out on on like on on the significance that they had on other writers you're missing out on on you know uh, their their cultural or historical background or circumstances and probably like most importantly you're missing out on the nuance that people can be both correct and and wrong right and it's this idea of like if i write a book it, it's probably not going to be all right and it's probably not going to be all wrong there's probably going to be you know things that I get very right and things that I get right and you know maybe there are some things that I, I miss overall but for you to be like oh well that book is from that guy and that guy is wrong so I don't care about that book that's like an insane approach towards any kind of learning right but that is almost exactly the way that that or rather, it just is the way that people approach the world, right? And so because people have this faith in the academic community, because people are just like, oh, well, science is on our side. Science gives me my, my iPhone and my Tesla and, and, and my MacBook and my Netflix uh, because science is saving us from climate change and 
you know, all these things, right? Because people believe in science as being like ideologically correct, people trust the things that come from science, right? So people trust like all of these like statistical studies, people trust all of these like these studies that get quoted in like all of these like in these newspapers when they're like, oh, a study says this. And it's like, well, I guess that must be true, right? And and people just believe stuff like that. Uh, and and it's because people really aren't interested in considering the nuance of things, right? It, it takes a level of, of uh, sincerity and humility and genuine dedication to, to learning to approach something and say like, okay, I'm going to really try to understand what's going on here. I'm trying going to try to understand the circumstances around it. I'm going to try to understand um, all the different points that are being made to so that I can walk away from this like having really learned something and really understanding like what is good or what is not so good about this certain text or or, or piece of information or or literary work or or body of thought or, or whatever like people aren't interested in that right and so because people reduce everything to like just like these ideological stances of like oh I believe in mental health or or you know I believe in in science or whatever like these statements which really actually don't make any sense whatsoever um that's i think that's a, a really significant reason of why we get what you were talking about earlier um this this idea that you know people just accept these academic studies at face value um you know and they, they aren't concerned that these these studies are just funded by like you know all these studies telling you how important your medications are are just funded by the pharmaceutical companies and and you know all these studies about how you know or or whatever right it, it, people don't think about that and they they don't really want to challenge the way that they already see the world yeah that's a huge um thanks for bringing that up that's a that's a huge huge point and if you've been listening to our podcast or just some of our episodes, um, we have been critical of this kind of ahistorical perspective of trying to understand things. And what I mean by ahistorical is that exactly what Caleb was saying in terms of trying to uh, reduce ideas, people, uh, concepts, um, universalize them and take them out of context. So not understanding the author, not understanding the influences that the author had. Um, not understanding the literature at the time uh, or the discourse at the time that you know something was either posited or written um, not understanding the larger historical context of what's happening in the world or that individual's community uh, and and all of that is all kind of like thrown away for this interpretation that science or truth is universal um, that that it is, completely and wholly applicable and like what Kayla was saying it's like it's there's there's these dichotomies it's not even like you can split things into like six parts it's like there are very clear dichotomies that people like to uh put put things in they're good or bad they're right or wrong um it's either climate change is real or it's fake um and so I think though before we move on into uh, a, a deeper conversation of mental health itself um 
I kind of want to tie some of the things that we've been talking about to pop psychology. Um, Yash, have you heard this term before, pop psychology? Oh, really? No. Well, what about you, Caleb? Does pop just stand for like popular? Yeah, it's like just pop popular. Culture? Yeah. I mean, it, it's not that it stands for that because it's like pop music is not just like quote unquote popular music. Well, yeah. There's... As in, is it? Does it refer? Does it have the same meaning as like? Y- yeah, almost pop culture, pop music. I think I've heard it before and then just glossed over it because I wasn't that interested. So I mean, yeah. It, <laughs> I mean, same this thing. term. You know, on top of the things that we've been talking about, like uh, these researchers and people who are going on conducting studies and whatnot, right? Um, and you assume, I mean, I'm, I'm just going to like blanket assume that people are acting in good faith, that people are not just like actively maliciously wanting to be like, oh, I should write something that's like completely fake so that I fool everyone and get more money. Uh, well that does happen I, I know that does happen but uh, you know just to like reduce it to like all psychologists researchers are like that is just like oh you know. well, yeah but e- even assuming that people are acting in good faith right you have um, within the past 10 15 years uh, an influx of writers who are not researchers who are not quote-unquote scientists um, who would write articles uh, in the New York Times, in LA Times, in these major publications, and basically that they would uh, synthesize, quote-unquote synthesize some of these psychology concepts and pump out a uh, an article you can read in th- like three minutes or five minutes that is, uh, the title is always some like, like huge expansive, oh, this is what you need if you can't sleep at night or um, do you feel depressed about your job here are five reasons why um, and these things are not necessarily based on any kind of rigor it's it's just someone kind of like explaining their opinion of like why something is happening but it's kind of passed off as uh, under this umbrella of psychology and as we know people are not particularly interested in reading you know 20 page papers or or even books on the matter so they read this five minute article from this writer uh and and that's like their exposure to whatever concept it is and like as i'm explaining this like it must sound like crazy that like you just have like this person who's not even in this field who's writing about the field and that is getting more exposure than the people who are quote-unquote researching in the field itself but this is actually quite common um and it's it's particularly common in like the the medical field where like the you know there's like some kind of medical um article that gets written and then some like dumb reporter like picks up on it and then like tries to do an interview or something like that but then ends up just writing something that's not reflective of the article itself uh they try to make it like huge and expansive try to bring in examples that are not necessarily applicable um but it's that's that's the public facing um that's a public facing uh media um things that people consume but 
but this is literally just the American high school system, though. It's, right? But it's like, not. It's not. I'm not only talking about the American high school system. It's like these are things that people share on Facebook. It's like, like even if people like paid attention to whatever's going on in high school, these are things that like people in in the interest of mental health, right? In the interest of like wanting to learn about psych, quote unquote psychology and those kinds of things, they'll do a quick Google search and. They'll see a bunch of these articles that are these things, and they'll like read some of them, and they'll like post it to Facebook or but, post it to Instagram. But it's not. I mean, but like you, if you like, if you like think you are like really knowledgeable about something, and people are like, "Oh, where did you learn that from?" And you're like, "Oh, I learned it on Instagram," or like, "I really, I learned it like scrolling through Twitter." People are like not going to. Most people are not going to be like, like, oh yeah, you're super knowledgeable, right? They're they're going to question you, even if they sort of accept the 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 knowledge that, or whatever information is is being conveyed there. They're still going to be suspicious of you if you're like, oh well, I just learned everything on YouTube, right? Because people still have some some extent of understanding that that is not necessarily reliable, right? But the thing is that like American high school, it's like all you need is like your teaching credential, right? And then you can literally just like go to school and then like teach anything, right? And it's like these teachers like these teachers like don't understand what they're teaching, right? And it's like they just they just like Google stuff online and then teach and then that's what they teach to like high school students like the next day in class, right? Um, and so it's like it's I think it's one thing to be like oh well like these people can like write for BuzzFeed or, or go on Instagram and write whatsoever and, and convey this sort of information. And then, you know, it's like one thing of like people who don't care about the the validity of like their information intake, just like go and consume stuff like that, right? Because then it's like very similar, honestly, to like consuming popular media or consuming Netflix and and, and, and internalizing those like value narratives right or, or or internalizing the way that those that like your hollywood movies picture the world and being like okay that makes sense you know to some extent it's like that because some people just aren't that interested in understanding what they see or parsing through information like that right but it's it's very different when you have something like a formal education system that is literally founded on like the same idea of like of like you know, just you know, where the, where the the transfer of information to to literally like all of the young people in in a country is just uh, has no root in like real um, rigorous education or learning, right? Um, and so yeah, um, and of obviously like there's. There's a lot of things wrong here, and we could talk about a lot of things which are wrong society in this trend of like, uh, I don't know, in this trend of whatever this trend is. But um, ultimately, I don't know. Ultimately, I think it does cycle back to. Well, if we want to cycle, if we want to like sort of stay true to this the the topic the podcast the episode topic of of mental health then sort of straying into these ideas of like just like social ineptitude at education or 
handling information might like sort of stray us away from that because that's, that's just like how everything is well i actually right? want to like you you make a really good point about the formal education system but one specific thing i want to pull from that is this idea of um people don't question their the origin of where people have information from so whether it be from high school or university or uh, an article you read on buzzfeed or something like that in, in my experience even of people um like who who consume buzzfeed things and they'll say something like that they like within the conversation no one is going to be oh where'd you learn that but, from but also isn't that also because like people don't care about what other people say in a conversation you know it's like people don't really care if it's true or not it's just they're just like exchanging words but but that's the point is that if there's no there's no point to have um like a reliable source or to even care about sources then you just have these people who with no credentials with literally no experience write something and because it's because it goes viral or something like that they're able to leverage that and write more about it and then as a result of that people just consume whatever it is and like you said, even even if people are, you know, genuinely like they, they might have some interest, they'll just consume it and then they'll have a conversation with another person. And then people are just like gesturing to each other. They're not like actually having a discussion. Well, I mean, it's it's one thing if like the academic discourse on mental health is like very sound and like like very valid. And then the the general popular discourse is like incredibly corrupted and and like empty and shallow and has like fallen away from that foundation but i don't even really think that we are i don't think we're going to commit to something like that right because no, we, no, we, no, no, no. fundamentally we don't even we don't even think that the academics are right right um we we don't even believe in the value of you know like the formal psychology or social sciences right and so i don't even know if it's super valuable to go down this line i i I definitely understand that it's really important to address like how the 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 public views um how the public views mental health or whatever topic we're discussing but like it's just it's just like whatever we talk about it's gonna be like oh people aren't interested in understanding stuff and then, like, I don't know if that's necessarily super relevant. Well, I think it's applicable in terms of the mental health aspect because then you have, like, psychology or, or like, psychology studies is one thing. Um, but on the topic of mental health, you have, like, okay, for young people especially, even people who are interested in maybe learning more about mental health um, or that they, they say that, they express that, um, on things like Instagram and TikTok, you have these small creators, right? People who are not experts who are there. They either have some kind of perspective or they quote unquote learn about it in school or they read about it and then they digest the information and then make some kind of like TikTok or Instagram post in one minute. And that's what people's perception of what mental health is. And so in a way that that like that in and of itself is even more reductionist. That's the pop psychology aspect. And so that it's not even that people. So like when, when we or at least in my um, experience of people who are interested in mental health, 
like people say that they are and they quote unquote dedicate time and effort into the thing but they won't pick up a book and read about it or they won't look at whatever they're um consuming and and really look at the context of what if it's creation of whatever the thing that's been said but that's how people are interested in mental health and when and even this idea of mental health like in my opinion the whatever this public discourse of mental health like is right is such a divorce from what um mental illnesses or just like coping with with life is that it's like this is the the public opinion the discourse is not even on mental health itself but of like this fake concept this easily to like be digested advertisable concept of mental health that you can pair it and you can make a TikTok or you can make a tweet or you can invest some money into a, a to a training and then you know check that check that box off that's true about like literally every social topic though from like politics to to you know for whatever just whatever right just people's opinions are just shallow right yeah but i don't know that, that, that's, that's 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 the point of this episode is that to talk about mental health specifically and i mean yash you can we can talk more about the concept i know that you want to talk about media and its connectivity to it but i think this is an opportunity for us i think that like we've grown in this podcast a lot or at least i have in terms of articulating some stuff um and so like this is an opportunity to take like some of the theory, some of the things that we've talked about, the bigger concepts of systems of control and just like bullshit of, of social sciences. And this is like a popular advent that people say that they're interested in or companies invest money, quote unquote, invest money into mental health. They say that, right? Um, and so it's something that impacts people, but like, for us to like talk about economics is like one thing, but then like you could go about your day after listening to the podcast, like not thinking about anything. But like, you know, you, you look at like, let's say for, for my institution at UCI, it's like there's so much money into training, into like providing quote unquote resources for, for mental health, when in actuality, it doesn't do anything, like it just doesn't do anything. It's just advertising for UCI, right? Like, it, and so this is just an opportunity for us to kind of bring it down to a specific topic. I mean, we can, what do you think, Caleb? I, I don't know, I, yeah, I think, I think this is a good, I think it's definitely can I just really quickly say relevant something? to point out. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Sorry, sorry about that, man. Um, just now when we were talking about how uh you know most topics in society you know can be made into like a tiktok or instagram post or whatever and and caleb you said that uh, it's, it's pretty much the same for every every topic that exists you know whether it be politics or um yeah any kind of discourse for, for that matter i personally think it's more relevant uh for mental health especially nowadays because just just look around you man like every everywhere you go like you could be walking on the street and you'll see a, an ad for like, uh, oh, depressed, you know, there's uh, support groups out there. Just yesterday I was on Instagram and there was like this 
this ad for a game where you grow like plants and apparently it reduces your anxiety and i, I looked at it and i was like okay look i i see what you're trying to do over here but it, it, the concept is so poorly executed and the point i'm trying to make over here is that as john said it's it's almost being exploited in 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 a capitalistic sense i mean it, like it's it's being made uh, it's being used to profit uh, companies, corporations, and groups of people, you know. Um, and I think it's it's so much more relevant for mental health and the diseases surrounding mental health in comparison to any other topic. Well, yeah, I, I absolutely agree with you, Yash. Um, but I think that that's a really significant reason why we should be focusing on this idea of intentional exploitation rather than just like rather than just like you know like like online instagram accounts or or you know like buzzfeed writers using the social using this like social dynamic to like do easy content or get easy hits right yeah because it's not just you can't it's not just reducible down to like oh people are lazy or or people aren't interested it's like there is an active level of of malice and exploitation occurring here and that's sort of i think that is incredibly important for us to focus on 100%. right and so although i definitely appreciate the the importance of pointing out that that the 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 like aspect of like irresponsibility that is present here in terms of like uh in terms of like you know wanting to understand mental health or whatever like i think that that the these structural issues are are more important than just like the latent social issues um which you know have have ties to things that we've talked about before and and we'll talk about more in the future right right i think that's a good segue into um talking about uh the influence of neoliberalism um and the exploitation that Caleb, you've been mentioning, and that we've kind of mentioned in the past, uh, in terms of, uh, in reference to the academic field and how they they kind of just exploit themselves. You know, they're running the rat race. Um, doesn't matter if it's right or wrong. I think when I'm thinking about the specific aspect of exploitation um, here, uh, it's one thing to think of. Um, like someone exploiting another person or, or something exploiting another thing. So it's like the pharmaceutical companies or these ad agencies exploit the fact that, you know, exploit the fact that you have these researchers, you know, well-intentioned or not, um, are willing to pump out research. And so you exploit other people in order to uh, serve your own financial motives. Um, so it's one thing to kind of talk about that, but it's another thing to talk about the ways in which people exploit themselves um, in in this new kind of system. And the kind of self-exploitation um, happens not only at this, uh, like how we've mentioned the academic level and these people exploiting themselves for literally for grant money um, and for uh prestige within their own fields, but also the idea of people exploiting themselves um, like as individuals. 
And so I think self-help books is a huge, is a really good example of that in, in a way that self-help books, at least in my experience of, of reading them and being and looking at them, is that they, they try to make things into like a checklist or a, a cause-effect loop or a decision tree or something like that. Um, and the goal in a lot of these books is kind of like take inventory of your life or take inventory of the situation um, and then analyze it and then come up with a thing to address whatever the problem or the issue is or whatever you want to change. But in this way, people are, if you pick up a self-help book and let's say that you are, um, you, you want to be happier in your relationship or you want to be happier uh, about your job or something like that or you want to, you, you feel that your life is like a mess and you want to strain it out or something like that. Instead of people looking at themselves in a historical, in a holistic fashion, instead of looking at their own influences, the context in which they are living in, um, they read a self-help book that tells them exactly how to dissect whatever the issue is. And that dissection is not holistic because to be holistic is to be individualized is something like a, a holistic thing for for me and my understanding of myself is to not something that like another person can tell me well you, you just gotta like talk to your parents for two hours a day and then you know write in your diary for 45 minutes and then analyze that diary pull out keywords in your diary and and like that's not like no one can tell me that because then it's I'm just like following step it's not holistic it that's like the definite it's literally not falling under the definition it, it's extremely reductionist but people are exploiting themselves people are willingly wanting subjecting themselves to to this uh, system of and it, and it's it's lauded right and not necessarily out of uh, good intentions here but it's lauded out of financial intentions out of advertising it's lauded as something that is good this is the way that you can approach mental health it's a legitimate way of approaching mental health is to read these self-help books to quote unquote journal uh write one thing about your day that um that made you happy or something like that uh in which people just subject themselves to these systems of dissection and of segmentation um, and then they live their life like that's their life like their life is just a segmentation of of many many different things Caleb you want to say something I mean I think we said this in like the the previous episode but it's like people just like want like the video game manual right for like living their life you know they want like the the they, they want their like experience to be like reduced to like a step-by-step checklist that they can do and then they'll like accomplish they'll just like make it to the next level or something right and it's this level of intentional there's this level of like intentional reduction to it of like i don't want to experience it for myself i just want to i want like the cheat sheet right well it's not even like necessarily i don't want to experience it myself it's that 
it, it's the overall perception like to not experience yourself to objectify your life is positive you know yes. it's like that yeah. it's that it's seen as progress it's that's good this is the way that you should do it mm-hmm. right I, I mean that's just it's just like so insane because life is just not as you said like life is not life is not reducible in that sense or, or rather it should not be right like you should not be treating your your life in that way um especially if you like want to enjoy life right like if you if you if you if you to use like this stupid analogy if you bought a video game and then only ever did what is in the video game guide like you your experience would be so far removed from someone who like just played the game organically yeah right and it's like like i said like that's a bad analogy but you know that's a really like boil down sense of what you're getting at here right i, I got a better analogy oh. for you bro okay go for it's, it it's like you know when you play gta and you know when you get bored and you just t- you just take a car and you follow traffic rules like it didn't we literally yeah no i mean it's it's literally that and i i think the way you put it was perfect like it's it's not a bad analogy it's it's a pretty good one in fact life isn't linear and it shouldn't be yeah yeah also we like we said like both of those examples in the, in the previous episode yeah yeah well kind of bringing it back to the idea of mental health um it's almost like in a game you get stuck and either there's like some kind of help tutorial module or you like look up how to do it online or something like that mm. and that's basically how people in my experience like how people are treating mental health they're treating it as like a roadblock to life um to whatever life is advertised to them uh their concept of life and they're like how do i just like get rid of this like like oh i i feel depressed when i go to work or um i don't feel fulfilled when i go to work and i come back home um and i just don't do anything so what's what's the cheat for that how do i get rid of this thing in a in a fast and easy way in five simple steps let me just do that right or okay people are suggesting therapy i'm just going to go to therapy you know i'm going to go to i'm going to have quote unquote talked with my friends or something like that and that's supposed to like be the checklist right the walkthrough of like how to quote unquote get rid of depression or or um having uh feelings of anxiety and things like that um Let's also not get too caught up on like the the explicit like corporate um, level of the mental health thing of just like oh well let's we'll like we'll like help you to work well and stuff like that um, because because hopefully like everyone is sort of relatively cognizant of how like like dumb that is but. Um, let's make sure to also very fully address this idea of like the more serious mental health and like depression anxiety suicide etc um because i think this is the one that people are far more likely to to take more seriously but also to like believe more strongly right this idea of like oh um the like modern therapeutic and 
psychiatric industry is is like the the proper solution to this social phenomena um like you you have to take your meds you have to remember to take your meds um you have to go see your therapist um i mean even to the extent that now people are saying like everyone should go see a therapist mm-hmm. right yeah. it's like that is something i i started hearing recently but that i i don't remember hearing before right um um there's everyone this, to go to there's this idea of this idea of like either you know either therapy is you know it's i don't know i it's it's hard for me to understand because it's like it's like are you seeing a therapist because you want to talk to someone or because you you feel there is some level of problem that you need to solve right because when you when you say everyone needs to see a therapist then now you are inferring that everyone must have some level of of problem that they not only need to solve but must rely on a therapist in order to solve right which is which is I, I don't know it's just like I don't really know how you come to that conclusion um yeah uh there's really a lot to unpack here um do either of you want to start in a certain place Josh, do you want to kind of talk about, because um, as we're, like what Kayla was saying, as we're transitioning from the kind of like pop mental health stuff or the things that is like, you know, on Instagram, or whatever, to more of the um, serious aspects of it, um, in your experience, uh, as someone who's more clued into this, this medical field, uh, at least more than me, um, of some of the things that Caleb was saying, like the the reliance, the uh, the advice that people give, professionals give, doctors even give to go to therapists and to do all these things. Um, what has your kind of exposure been so far? Mm. Well, first of all, before we even delve into that topic, I think it's important to realize that mental health conditions have existed since human beings have existed right and it, it it's going to be there in the future as well it's not it's not like 50 years down the line depression just ceases to exist it exists because of how complex we are psychologically and because of the interactions we have on a daily basis but all that being said i think it's important to appreciate uh the fact that the way we approach mental illnesses uh far more structured now at least that's what i would say we have a sort of protocol to follow uh although it's you know we've discussed this already where you can't really reduce it to a a, a set of steps that you follow and oh you're cured of depression no it's not like that but there are steps that you can take to sort of mitigate the effects like the the harsh effects of a, a mental illness but with that being said it's very important to keep in mind that treating a mental illness or approaching a mental uh, health disease has so many different dimensions to it. So you have your therapies, you have your medication, and then you have sort of a holistic social responsibility towards that individual who's suffering from that mental health issue. 
obviously I don't think for the purposes of this podcast we need to sit down and unpack and discuss each and every dimension there is but what I would like is for whoever listens to this podcast to sort of appreciate the fact that there are so many different aspects that need to be taken care of when it comes to dealing with a mental health issue and it's not as easy as saying oh well you know go 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 speak to your therapist and you'll be fine or oh well take this medication and you'll be happier because you know your dopamine and serotonin levels will be boosted it's not as easy as that so if i had to say anything it would essentially be you know be aware that there are many dimensions to approaching mental health issues and diseases and another really important thing that you need to sort of appreciate is the fact that mental health diseases are equally as important um, as you know your physical diseases so uh, obviously I'm not saying that depression and diabetes are the same thing but what I'm trying to say over here is that you need to give them equal importance when it comes to treating them I don't know if I agree with that um yeah go ahead and i think it's yeah i think it sort of depends on i think it really sort of depends on well on on what you mean by depression yeah yeah absolutely uh, right do you think it would be better if you gave an example of some sort so we can sort of make it easier to like different well 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 here's the thing right it's that i think everyone is sort of at least partially recognizant that there must be sort of degrees to depression oh, right because there is a level of depression where you are just simply sad yeah yeah right yeah um and there at least to my understanding there is probably a level of depression where you really do need some meditation degree yeah. of clinical help yeah right exactly. or, or at least that you have demonstrated that you are not that you are not capable of handling your own emotional problems. Correct, yeah. Right? Um, but the problem with sort of relying on a clinical de- definition of depression is that the, 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 psychiatric, the psychiatric industry is um, motivated to to define that as loosely as possible mm-hmm. right so that they can you know they can have you go and and pay a hundred dollars an hour to see a therapist is that i don't know i have no idea how much that costs <laughs> yeah it's, it, I, it's it not ranges cheap. but like it's yeah it's, it's not it, cheap it's not cheap especially you know, so with you, can recurring. Pay to, you can pay to see a therapist you can you know pay for all of these expensive medications even if you do not necessarily need them right because like even if like what you really need is just a friend it's not like a doctor can be like hey go Go get a friend i prescribe you friendship yeah (laughs) you know what i mean it's like if your problem is just that you know and a therapist can sort of talk you through their problems but it's like how do you how do you even know that a therapist is like acting in your favor right because it's so easy to to see someone superficially helping you superficially helping you and assume that their intentions are for you when in reality you know the therapist it's in the interest of the therapist for you to keep attending his clinic 
indefinitely, right? Because then yeah. you're your your perpetual business. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Oh, can I say something real quick yeah, on absolutely. that? It's it's just that um I don't think we're trying to say that like all these therapists or all therapists are having this like very structured of mentality that like oh i want to get this guy hooked on but it's even further than that in that in the training in what is being seen as progress is not um is not to prescribe or to like to 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 get them out of the office but it's this continual recurring um either treatment or or something like that is seen as good as seen as that's the thing and so you know these therapists some of them are just acting purely out of good intentions based off of what they've been trained to do and that training that they're relying on is for you to keep coming back to their office yeah exactly it's like you know and it's like this 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 level of I mean, the the academic, if you want to become a therapist, right, and it's like you're going to go to, you're going to do school and you're going to go through all this formal education to get your your license, like every program that you ever take is heavily funded by the the industry, right, the pharmaceutical or whatever, whatever you want to call it, right? what, uh, health what's services the term? industry health, yeah health services you know like from like everything from like the the american psych american american what is it american like psychology association yeah. you know all of these associations and then and then like all the drug companies and then whatever right it's like it's all heavily funded by industry right and so what you go there and learn is that you are providing an essential service that helps people um, at, a, at a fundamental level right and it's like I don't know if they are actually saying things like everyone should have therapy but it's only a matter of time if like people are saying that normally they're going to fixate on that and be like yeah that's a good idea Why don't you know because that's good for their industry right and so what happens is even if you have good intentions you go to school and you get you get inculcated and, and, and indoctrinized with this mindset of like oh yeah I want people to come to my to my my clinic right and so it's not it's not just this aspect of like oh i want to make money from people but there is this internalized degree of i want this person to to you know like perpetually exist within this system rather than this approach of let's help this person so that they can go and live on their own and be you know and to rely on themselves individually which is really what I, you know which is really what you want right um, you you want to solve your problem you want to move on from this phase in your life right rather than perpetuating it um, forever right um, and so um, having said having pointed out and established that um, that that life isn't linear and that sort of addressing this sort of thing that the way that any of these these things exist in, in reality is not linear right something that I really wanted to talk about um, during this episode really wanted to discuss in this episode and something that I'm not I'm not too clear on my own opinion on it myself is I really wanted to discuss the degree to which the mental health discourse is like self-perpetuating in terms of in terms of its like symptoms and problems 
right? Um, to what degree is the mental health like causing more mental health discourse like causing more mental he- mental disorder, right? Um, are are people going online and, and like and like thinking that you know it's like not in like this cutesy shallow sense of like oh it's trendy to be depressed to be depressed but maybe even like oh everyone else is depressed like maybe i'm depressed too or it's like oh it's like i have these things in common with these people maybe our common factor is that we have anxiety right or or you know how much of what we consume in in media and stuff is are are narratives which have their basis in the perpetuation of these i of of these ideas of um, like reliance on medication, reliance on therapy, um, to the extent that they create more demand for that medication and more demand for, for help, right? And I think this is sort of a, a really more difficult question to answer because, because it's so hard to isolate cause and effect, right? Especially in the thing where, whether you are depressed or not is really something that only you can know or say uh, for yourself, right? Um, uh, thoughts, guys? Yeah, I, I really want to know um, Yash's, uh, Yash's opinion on, on some of the things that you just mentioned. With regards to uh, mental health discourse leading to mental disorder, is it? Yeah, like the self-perpetuating, like... Like a self, um, like a self-fulfilling prophecy, almost. Yeah, in a sense. Yeah. Well, you know how, like, if you have symptoms of whatever, and you go on WebMD and you Google it and you search it up, and you're like, "Oh, I'm, I, I could possibly have cancer." You know, it's it's almost unlikely you have it, but regardless of that, it's this kind of. Um, trend is very prevalent today because we have all these sources of information that we can refer to and we have all this um, you know it, information is readily available to us and you can access it you know uh, instantaneously and the issue with this is that when you have people who may think that they have a certain disease or an illness for example somebody thinks uh you know i might have anxiety so let me just google the symptoms of Anxiety, and if you do a, a quick Google search of the symptoms of anxiety, you're going to get stuff like, oh, you know, increased heart rate in uh, situations when you know they're unfamiliar with, or um, you know, just feelings of panic and uh, uncertainty. And when it comes to like truly clinically diagnosing anxiety or depression or any other kind of mental illness. It's so hard to put certain, um, I want to say, like parameters on it. Like if you fulfill, if you fulfill these, then oh yeah, you're considered to be somebody suffering from anxiety. So I think it's more of a question of how. Well, it's it's a question of how easy information is available, how easily information is available to people, and how difficult it is to truly say that somebody suffers from a certain mental illness because if you look at it the symptoms are pretty much the same for you know most of the mental illnesses out there so i i sort of agree with you when you say that you know a discussion about uh, mental illnesses so, sort of leads to uh, a mental disorder and, and it, 
and in a way it's sort of a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah, I mean, I I, I understand what you're saying, and I think uh, I think you're you're definitely um, I think you're I think I think that I agree with you. Um, uh, you know, and especially like, especially just because like, when we approach something like mental health, right? It is which is not, which is really not the same as mental disease, right? And it's like one thing to diagnose ADHD or, or schizophrenia or something, right? And it's another to be like, okay, you have depression, right? Um. Um. And, and I, it's just like how, how, how easily are these symptoms just like sort of like self-perpetuated, mm-hmm. right? Um, and especially, especially like exactly what you said, this idea of this, the self-fulfilling prof- prophecy is that, you know, it's like this, this, that rises as very prevalent in um, it's very prevalent in, in cultural thinking for a long time, right? Whether, you know, in, in many cultures from whether it's like Confucianism or, or, or Buddhism or um, I think even, even like Christian Hermeticism, right? This idea of like if you, if you believe something, then it will come true, right? Um, and not necessarily in like a oh I can control things with my mind sense, but the idea that what you believe um, has a very real effect on your on on your circumstances, right? Um, uh, and it's like actually like this way of thinking is 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 very common and is very uh, you know is very core to the way that people see see. Um, society not just in things like tarot cards or astrology um but this i but it's like pushed into all the ways that people see society right this idea of like oh well if you believe in yourself then you will perform better if you you know if you if you focus on on productivity or on wellness you know you you put good things in you think about good things then you will be more productive or you will be more happy or you will you will fulfill these ideas of yourself right this self-actualization perspective is actually very very core to the mental health discourse right um and yet nobody is really stopping to to ask the question of like but you know if we were going to say that that happens in the positive why do we not recognize that it probably happens in the negative as well, right? That when you fill popular media, when you fill, you know, when it's like all these Netflix uh, movies are about like teenagers with depression, um, then would we not also expect to see more teenagers with depression, right? And it's like when all of our references for what it means to like be a person and to exist within society and to interact with other people when all of those are filtered through the lens of anxiety and 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 mental like instability 
then shouldn't we not also expect that to occur within society itself? Right? Um, and, you know, it, it's like one thing if, it's this, if the answer is just to like go and like talk to someone, right? In like the therapeutic sense. But it's another when, when this sort of social dynamic can create a society dependent on medication, right where it's like people people are so quick to defend mental health discourse right or or the mental health industry and to be like oh well i was depressed and you know thanks to my 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 therapist they were able to get me medication you were able to help me feel better but it's like then you are if that's your argument you are totally overlooking the millions of Americans who become hooked on these medications and then like literally overdose and die, you know, or, or are dependent on these medications for their entire lives, right? Um, and it, yeah, uh, maybe part of it is just this idea of like people, yeah, people don't want to consider nuance. Uh, people don't want to consider the, the consequences beyond believing that the, the simple idea is convenient and and, and 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 valuable to them I think one um, thing that you just mentioned that I think is really interesting is that in when you were describing the, the self-manifestation of, of things right and like people believe it in a positive light right so why can't they believe it or why can't they recognize it or question it in a negative light? But in terms of uh, mental health and and the medication and the therapy and things like that, like these things are seen as positives. These things, so it, it's like within, even within uh, circles of friends, um, like to to hit the points of the mental health industry right to to re-speak those talking points to um rehash the uh the ideas right and the concepts that they are based upon is seen as caring right that's seen as being a friend is to tell them maybe you should see therapy maybe you should ask your doctor about this thing right it's seen and is perceived as a positive light to talk quote unquote to talk more about mental health is to be more honest is to be more vulnerable in but it's not actual vulnerability it's not actual honesty it's like it's it's like clout vulnerability it's only as vulnerable as you can be um or suggest it within your circle um and so like to the self-fulfilling prophecy aspect to the self-manifestation it like it's not like the things that we're talking about it's like if you consider the industry and all that stuff this is definitely like negatives um to be to even have this mentality of like having this issue um is a negative but instead of saying, in, instead of actually trying to talk with someone as maybe like their friend or something like that, it is more 
preferable to say, well, maybe you should see a therapist or something like that. And, and that's seen as being a good friend. That's seen as caring for another person or paying lip service to be like, oh, I'm there for you if you need it. But then you say that, but at the same time, in, in another breath, you say, well, like just regular interactions, relationships is not good enough for, for talking through, you know, your problems. You have to go see, you should go see someone like a, a medically trained professional in order to, to talk out your problems or life or whatever. So it's like this, this aspect of the self-fulfilling prophecy is perpetuated not only because of the amount of money that's going into it, but also the, the co-option of this whole cycle is being seen as positive, as being seen as something that's a good thing and that people are recommending it to other people um, in a, not only with their intentions of being goodwill, but also it the perception of it is just like, that's caring. That's like being a friend is to be like, I'm going to be honest with you. You should go see a therapist. You need to work out these problems, something like that. Caleb, you want to say something? Yeah, I, I think that actually hits on two very important things to point out, right? Um, the firstly is like, is like, um, people we'll see if I even remember the second thing by the time I'm done talking <laughs> people like mental the, the mental health uh, like like language like speaking the mental health talk and being like oh I'm supportive of you um, um, I'm here for it's you like, like you expressing <laughs> your your care for another person in like a, a, a specific way or, or you know or, or to do it intentionally for people you that you don't even know right all, all these things which is like very common in social media and it's like just the way that people talk now right there it, it exists under like this this sort of this sort of like farce of or facade of being genuine care for another pe- of another person right um and regardless of whether or not that's genuine or not i i, I think for the most part it, it is not you know, regardless of whether it really is genuine or not, the thing is that at the fundamental core of what you're saying is that when you go to another person, you endorse this sort of mental health um, discourse. Is like you're saying, like, oh, well, you should you should bring your problems to a therapist and not talk to me about them, right? And there's this there's this level of intentionally differentiating, um, like your problems from your community and the people around you right it's like you should seek professional help rather than relying on (laughs) rather than relying on on me or your friends right all the while saying like oh i'm here for you right and 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 you can see this 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 sort of level of contradiction coming out when people are like constantly saying that they are emotionally fatigued or mentally fatigued from listening to their friends problems right it's like oh i'm like so nice and i i listen to all my friends problems and they never listen to mine like this kind of this kind of complaint or statement is so common um online and it's something that people are like oh relatable right it is so relatable um to people um and all of it is it's it's so I don't know as just as a, a social dynamic that is so diseased right like this idea of 
of like you will endorse like a fake empathy for other people on the surface um and then and then really you don't you don't you're not willing to have them rely on you and furthermore you don't believe that they should rely on you they should go and rely on professional help you know the the validity of the the trained and the specialized they should go and see the therapist even though that therapist has no real reason to care about your friend other than that they are paying them money right um, and the second thing that i want to say which i do remember fortunately um is that this this is just so this just so clearly reveals that people are are so like divorced from they the people just like don't understand how how to live right this idea of um like all of all of these like you know all of these like insecurities which provide the foundation for the mental health discourse like they are either they are things that do not matter or they are things that are like so normal right and this idea of like we are just like experiencing life but then as we experience life we are going to experience an incredible amount of anxiety about it um it just sort of is it's it's it is not it is neither reasonable nor natural um right and and it's like it's like and, and we did sort of t- touch on this at the, way at the beginning of the episode you know this idea of like how the previous generation is dismissive right and certainly the answer here is not to be simply dismissive right um to approach someone and say like hey your your emotions or your considerations do not matter um it's so it's like stupid right it's just stupid but to them their i think their inability to understand is so is so reasonable right and it's not just it's not that you know like the previous generation was just stupid right but i think the previous generation or maybe the previous previous generation I don't know how far back in time we have to go. I don't know if this is even a valid statement to make. Maybe it isn't, you know. Maybe I am overgeneralizing and endorsing like a young person perspective that is meaningless. But what I'm trying to say here is that like being like a normal person, everyone will deal with problems and have to manage them, right? Um, And the way you respond to problems is not to... You know, it's not to like blow it out of proportion. It's not to like emotionally overreact. It's just to be like, is this, is this like a normal thing that people experience? And then like, what can I do to face it? What can I do to address it? Like all of this is very reasonable, common sense type stuff. Um, and I think, I'm not saying that people are dumb, but people are so unused to, so unused to making reasonable conclusions about what they experience that they just aren't unable to cope that they they cannot um live normal lives without sort of spiraling down into like a a you know some kind of 
emotional breakdown or something. I don't know. I, I don't know if I have worded that in a in sort of a holistic manner. But thoughts from either of you? Um, I think real quick, um, I think one one point to the to the older generation is that as much as they uh, dismiss you know the mental health or whatever uh, I, I can see how it just manifests like the treatment now is to go to treatment but the treatment then is just like drink or smoke or something like that or, or it's like oh, it's yeah. it's uh-huh. it, it's just it's a matter of marketing and it's a matter of the healthcare industry at that time did not feel or, or the, maybe there wasn't enough quote-unquote research out there to um, start monetizing this this whole mental health aspect. Um, and so as a result, you just dismiss it um, or you just redirect that energy to, to something else. Um, but one aspect that uh, I kind of want to reiterate from what Caleb just mentioned is this aspect of people not necessarily knowing exactly how to live um and and it's it's it comes down to people are not necessarily at least in my view people are not necessarily taking time to cultivate their their community um community of people who actually care for them who are actually like their family and close friends who, who who would not say things like oh I don't want to listen to Jonathan's problems. It's just too exhausting. It's just like too much. But like people who would take the time to listen to whatever I'm saying because they they genuinely like want want me to be better um, or interested in me. And it's like nowadays, especially with the performative language, um, there is a um, desire to appear as authentic or genuine. But the way that you do it is has to be efficient. It has to be like optimized genuineness or authenticity. And so instead of actually putting in the time to like think about yourself or to have deep conversations with your friends, <clears throat> you use language or you or you outsource it <laughs> to like a therapist or something like that um, in, in the name of genuineness and authenticity. Um, because it's so much easier to just say the lingo um, and say, well, I'm not a trained professional. So, you know, as much as I want to help you, I, I don't feel qualified to. As much as it's easy to say that, it's much harder to try to wrestle with a problem or just listen to someone else. Um, and that, that language feeds into people not reaching out to their friends or their family and asking questions about like asking their parents to like well I'm going through this rough time like do you have any advice or, or you know what what are your thoughts on this right that people instead of because of the language that we use instead of instead of doing something like that instead of cultivating their the the community that would genuinely care for them right with no financial incentive um, the language is posited such that you you shouldn't like they're not qualified to do that like if you want to talk about your actual deep issues or whatever you should see a therapist um, 
or there are quote unquote more structured ways of approaching this problem, more efficient ways of approaching this problem. When in actuality, you know, like we're not saying that efficiency or optimization is inherently wrong, but the the efficiency that's happening here, the optimization is not out of consideration of the individual. It's not out of consideration of trying to help people. It's out of consideration of financial incentive, out of this um, this like cult of authenticity, right? This perception of authenticity, um, and it's not necessarily genuine in and of itself. It's shallow. It's that facade that Caleb was mentioning. Um, so yeah, just really the the as you know, as much as people are like unable to like live life or know how to live life, it's like they're not even asking people who really care about them like their opinions about it. Because that's just the disc like the discourse or like the popular opinion what people have been like conditioned to say is like, oh well that's just not the way that I like approach things or I should approach things. Like I should talk to a therapist. Or I should Google it and like have a bunch of strangers tell me how I should do something. Um, and I'm not saying that like talking to your friends or your family is like because they always have the right answers. Um, but it's like developing relationships with people who 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 care for you, um, who can and would put in time to to talk if you wanted to talk to them. Yash, any thoughts? I think really well said by you, uh, especially about family and friends. You know, it's not like they're gonna, always going to have the right answers, but it's worth giving. You know, it's worth asking them for their opinion because more often than not, they've probably been through what you're going through, and they probably have a solution for you, if not some advice that will benefit you. But overall, I think you know whatever we've discussed today I think uh, we sort of in a holistic sense we've approached mental health and mental health diseases and illnesses and you know stigma surrounding it as well as the way it's perceived in modern society and um, the sort of perspectives that uh, surround it and I don't have anything else that I need to say because I think it was it's all been said in my opinion as we as we sort of wrap up here there's something that I think is really important um, really important to clarify um, before we end Um, because I fear that you know, if you're listening to this, you're sitting there and you're thinking like, okay, well, like if, if uh, mental health discourse is not the answer, if therapy is not the answer, if medication is not the solution for my problems, then what is the solution, right? And it's exactly our point that there is no easy solution, right? That there is a level of disease mindset if if your approach to life is like finding the easy thing, the next step, the cheat list um, checkbox that you can tick off and you proceed with your 
your level, your character progression, right? It's exactly our point that life is not like that, right? And it's like everyone experiences difficulties in life. Everyone experiences flaws of character. Um, everyone experiences all of these things because no one is perfect, right? But the whole thing, the whole thing of the human experience is that there are no easy answers. There is no quantifiable input for you to plug in to fix your to like flash fix your software. There's nothing, you know. There's there's no cheat that your 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 friend and family can offer you, right? When we talk about living your life, when we talk about embracing community, talking to your friends and family, it's not so that they can give you that easy solution, right? It's because of the importance that you understand that 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 these problems are are a part of life and a part of living, and that's exactly like that's like all it is, right? You will live you will live these problems and you will live these difficulties. And it is through the process of life that you mature and you grow into a larger and a better person, um, someone with more understanding who can better ride the difficulties of life, right? Someone with more depth of character, depth of uh, of character who has more to offer other people, um, who is less likely to suffer from the um, the 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 difficulties or the tragedies or the the things that we can't uh expect um in life right like that that is what life is um and 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 all of society will will tell you that that's not what life is that there are easy answers to your happiness um and i think that on a deep and an innate level uh, what I'm saying is true and correct and that as I say it you understand that it is true um, but that also it is not an easy thing to accept right obviously it would be easier if life was um, a, a cheat list we could tick off um, or a, a drug we could take or a medical fee we could expense but it's not Right. And but that's also, you know, that's also the beauty of life. That's the meaning of life. Uh, that is uh, the joy in life. Um, yeah. So if you have, you know, listened to the entirety of this episode, I really hope you have. Um, I think this is a really uh I think this is something that people need to hear and to think about. Um, if you have listened to the entirety of this episode, we always appreciate um, your listening. Uh, thank you to Jonathan for outlining this episode for us. Um, and thank you to Yash for always providing um, great discussion. And uh, yeah. We will see you in the next one.